If there's one word that describes Christmas, it's joy. Joy coming into a world of darkness and to a people who have waited for so long for God to speak into the silence. Today, our celebrations are filled with joy of knowing that the coming of Jesus brought us hope and salvation. Our hearts are filled with joy as we think about the love of God wrapped up in the name Emmanuel, God with us. And it is with joy that each year we relive the story of Bethlehem and what happened on one incredible night.
so loved the world that he sent his one and only son. It's the first scripture that many of us remember memorizing. The message of John 3.16 reminds us of how much we are loved by the one who created us. But what kind of God is this who doesn't rule with violent power, who pursues the people he loves by sending his only son to us, who leaves his glory to experience our humanity? What a miracle of mercy and grace. Son of God, purest light, Lord on high is here tonight, stepping through this sacred sky, suddenly perfect plan unfold Son of God Here tonight. 
The story God wrote for our redemption takes an unlikely turn when his son doesn't appear on the scene in a palace, born to power and wealth. Instead, he is born in a village in an overcrowded inn, a stable in a trough where animals are fed.
Joseph. Their names stir our imaginations. They must have been devoted, faithful, willing to embrace the unbelievable, capable of facing the storms that would surround them. Mary was visited by an angel with the news that she would have a baby. Joseph's sleep was interrupted by a dream that was so vivid that he acted with total trust in Mary's story. Through it all, they were God's perfect choice to receive his son. Familiar, 
And how am I to know how things should be? And do I speak his name? Or whisper quiet hallelujahs When I finally see this tiny king But let your will be done can I call him son? I am just a simple man I may never understand But it's an honor to be a father So let your kingdom My Savior and my Son. All these things the angel tells me spin like circles in my mind. Oh, it is all so overwhelming, yet it's so divine. So this night, this story, this miracle, with anything less than the astonished reverence it deserves. Let us behold the birth of our King as if we're hearing about it for the first time. Overwhelm us with the mystery and the miracle of it all. Amen. Is there any wonder that this night is filled with miracles and mysteries? and unrelenting splendor is there any wonder that the sky's alive with angels shouting gloria today you have a savior a throne is bare while glory fills the manger yet god with us it's like a stranger Fall on our knees and cry out We're so unworthy Fall on our knees to the sound 
baby sleeps There is a hill not far away Where his life will be offered Is there any wonder Even now the tree That one day will become his cross Grows just like all the others A child is born And the world is changed seen. Would God plant no welcome, no gifts, no visitors that recognize his regal lineage and his sovereign authority? In a distant land, scholars watched, studied, 
understood the signs. Something had happened that prompted a costly journey, the offering of extravagant gifts, and the giving of lavish worship.
What a story of joy we celebrate each year, one that God had planned from the beginning. It's woven into ancient prophecies of a ruler and a messiah. It's announced to a virgin by an angel. It comes to pass in Bethlehem. It is a life, it can, it is a life lived in the perfect submission to the Father's will. It's Calvary with all its sorrow and suffering. It's an empty tomb with all its promise and glory. And the story isn't over. As followers of his, we have become part of it and we will know the joy of his certain return and inevitable coronation. Wonder, you 
Did you enjoy Joy Joy? <laughs> uh, so did I very much. It was all good. It was all great. But two song lyrics just grabbed me by the heart and provoked my sanctified imagination. First was, love has a heartbeat and grace has a face. That was Christmas. That was the incarnation. That was God with us. That's when baby Jesus came to be the Lamb of God, meek and mild. But that's only half a story. The other lyric that just grabbed my heart and my mind to give second thought was this line. And one king held the hope of the world. And one king held the hope of the world. That is the second coming, friends. That one king would hold the hope of the whole world. That's the second coming. That's Jesus' model prayer. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That is the coming thousand-year literal millennial rule and reign of King Jesus, King of kings, Lord of lords, from David's literal throne in Jerusalem. That's the second coming of Christ. That's when Jesus will come a second time, not as the first time as the Lamb of God for sinners slain, but the second time as the Lion of the tribe of Judah. Not coming the second time meek and mild, but rather as the warrior king, the one who will set Satan and his demons and all evil aside in righteous wrath and power the pretty Christmas wreath that might be on the front door of your home, must say, tis the season. But the ugly, bitter, and painful crown of thorns must say to this is the season, this is the reason for the season. I love this poem. It was written by a converted Jew named Marvin Rosenthal. It's called, Mary Had the Little Lamb. Mary had the little lamb who lived before his birth, self-existent son of God. He came from heaven to earth. Mary had the little lamb. See him in yonder stall, virgin-born son of God, to save man from the fall. Mary had the little lamb, obedient son of God. Everywhere the father led, his feet were sure to trod. Mary had the little lamb crucified on the tree, the rejected son of God. He died to set men free. Mary had the little lamb. Men placed him in the grave, thinking they were done with him. To death he was no slave. Mary had the little lamb. Ascended now is he. All work on earth is ended, our advocate to be. Mary had the little lamb, mystery to behold. From the lamb of Calvary, a lion will unfold. When the day star comes again, of this be very sure, it won't be the lamb-like silence, but with the lion's roar. Mary had the little lamb. Will you be ready 
when Jesus comes the second time, perhaps soon, will you be ready to meet the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords? Will you be ready? You will be ready, quite simply, if you're trusting him and only him to be your Savior from your sins and your hope of a place in heaven one day. The Bible is full of wonderful truth stories, but the plot line of the Bible can be reduced to bad news and to good news. The bad news is all about us, and the good news is all about God. The bad news about us is that we all are sinners, every single one of us. In Romans 3.23, God assures and evaluates, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We live on a beautiful island in a beautiful Caribbean sea, and most all of us know how to swim. But if the contest was to swim from Nassau to Palestine in the Mediterranean Sea, across the Atlantic Ocean, not one of us would make it. No matter if we were an Olympic swimmer, a marathon-trained swimmer, none of us could swim successfully from Nassau to Tel Aviv in Israel. It's just too far. God's glory is the same way. God's glory is so far above any of our efforts at righteousness and holy living that none of us can say we could achieve God's righteous holiness in our own efforts. And that's why the bad news of the Bible concerning you and me is that we are sinners. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That's bad news. But the bad news of the scriptures gets even worse because God says that we earn a paycheck for being sinners. We earn a wage for falling short of God's perfections. Romans 6.23, part A says, for the wages of sin is death. The wages of sin is death. When I was about 15 years old in Toronto, my first job was to work in the mailroom of Beaver Lumber Company, a corporation in Toronto. And every two weeks after I had delivered the corporate mail from the mailroom to all the people in the head office of Beaver Lumber Company, I got a paycheck. Never once did I say, thank you for the favor of paying me. It was a wage that I had earned for delivering mail as a 15-year-old in a mailroom. We all understand that if we are working, we have a wage that we are paid at the end of a week or every two weeks. We've earned it, God says, for falling short of his glory, for being sinners as we all are, we earn a wage, and it's death. For the wages of sin is death. Biblically speaking, death is separation. There are three levels to this paycheck of death for being a sinner. There is physical death, which is the separation of our soul and our spirit from our body. We go to the funeral home and pay our respects or come to the church to pay our respects. The person's body is in the casket, but their soul and their spirit is separated from their body when they died. The second level of death that's associated with being a sinner is spiritual death. There could be tonight here some that are spiritually dead, although very much physically alive. To be spiritually dead is not to be forgiven of sins through Jesus Christ and to be dead, separated from a meaningful relationship with God because of un confess sin. As I say, some here tonight could be spiritually dead whilst physically alive. And my prayer, my earnest prayer is that none of us would leave here spiritually dead because all of us would trust Christ to be our Savior tonight. The third level of death or separation that is the wage for earning as being a sinner and falling short of God's perfection is eternal death. Eternal death is the separation forever of the resurrected body, soul, and spirit as a unit 
separated from God's presence in a literal place called hell. Hell is real. Jesus warned many times against going there. And so the bad news of the Bible is about us, all of us. We're all sinners. We earn a wage for being a sinner, which is death. Now, if the Bible stopped with the bad news that's all about you and me, there'd be nothing good to sing about this Christmas or any other time. But the Bible has good news. With the bad news about people, we have the good news about God. And the good news about God is that he loves sinners. He hates sin, but he loves sinners. It says in Romans 5, verse 8, But God has demonstrated his own love toward us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's proof of love, is it not, for sinners, that God would send his only precious son and let him die on that cruel cross for your sins and my sins. God loves sinners. That's good news. But just like the bad news got worse, the good news gets better. The good news of the Bible to do with God is not only that he loves sinners, but that he provides a way for sinners to get to have a home with him by grace. God provides a way for sinners to go home to be with God through faith. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It, salvation, faith, is the gift of God, not of works, so that no one will boast. You know, anyone who gets to heaven will get there the same way through faith in Christ, period. No one will get to heaven by giving to the United Way, being a kind neighbor, being faithful at a church. Those are all good things, decent things. But no one will earn heaven. Heaven cannot be earned. Heaven can only be received as a grace gift from God to the believer in Christ. If we could earn heaven, think about it. If you would run into someone in heaven who had earned heaven by brownie points and you had been given heaven as a grace gift through the finished work of Christ, would not the person who so-called earned heaven have a boastful spirit in heaven? How'd you get here? I was perfect attendance in Sunday school. I got here because I didn't deserve to be here. I got here because I received it as a grace gift that was paid for by the finished blood sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross. And I clung to him as a rebel, incapable of earning heaven for myself. I clung to him by simple childlike faith. That's what you are doing tonight on the pews. You are sitting there comfortably, I trust. You're not wondering if the pew can hold your weight. You're not squirming and fearful that you're going to fall to the floor. You have a confident faith in the, in the pew to hold your weight. The person who receives the gifts of forgiveness in heaven through Jesus Christ rests fully, completely, on the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary. Nothing can be added to what Jesus did when he died on the cross. Nothing needs to be added to what Jesus Christ did when he died on the cross. And so the person who will receive a relationship with God, forgiveness of sins, and a home in heaven one day will do it by simply transferring their trust from religion, from self-effort, onto the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ as evidenced by the empty tomb of resurrection. That's my prayer this evening. That's why we've had the joy of putting on this cantata. The music is beautiful. The acting is encouraging. But the message is the reason we've done this cantata. That the bad news about the Bible is about us. We're all sinners, and we earn a separation from God for being sinners. But the good news of the Bible is that God loves sinners, and he's proven it by sending his only son to die for sinners. And God offers tonight to you, tonight to you, if you've never received it, forgiveness 
eternal life in heaven? Would you trust only Christ this evening? This is how you could do that. In the quietness of your heart, right from where you sit, you could tell God something like this. It's not a magic prayer. This is talking to God from your heart. If you know you need this Savior and have never trusted him before, you could say something like this from your heart to God's where you sit. Dear God, I have blown it and I'm a sinner. And I can't be good enough to earn heaven. Thank you that I don't have to. Thank you that Jesus died in my place on the cross, proving your great love for me. Thank you that you raised him from the dead to prove to me that all of my sins, past, present, and future sins, are fully paid for by the blood of Christ. Right now, in the best way I know how, I transfer my trust to Jesus alone to be my Savior from sin. If you will make that your prayer, God will hear you, and God will save you. He'll make you new from the inside out. He'll reserve a home in heaven for you. What about the believer here tonight? You're here, and you say, Pastor, I'm glad you shared the gospel with the people who may be here tonight who needed to trust Jesus Christ as Savior for the very first time. What about me? How does this affect me? This is how it affects us as believers, the lordship of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is Lord of all. He is boss. He is master. He deserves our highest allegiance and our yieldedness in our thoughts. We cannot say of Jesus Christ that he is Lord of our Christian life and at the same time say no to him on any matter. You cannot say, Christian, Jesus is Lord, and then in your heart say no to him. No and Lord are incompatible. No and Lord are like oil and water. They do not mix. Could it be tonight, Christian, that there's some area of your life that you need to stop saying no to the Lord Jesus in, that you would enthrone him as Lord of that part of your life? Your dating, your money, your Facebook account, your relationships, service for Jesus Christ in your local church, any root of bitterness or unforgiveness that you've allowed into your life, any idolatry, anything or anyone you've put above Jesus Christ as, as getting your highest love and deepest devotion. Christians, could there be tonight something that the Spirit of God is calling you to bring unto the Lordship of Jesus Christ? I'm going to leave that with you. It's been a delight to assemble in Jesus' name. And the Calvary Bible Church family, the credible body of Christ, wish you and yours a very blessed Christmas, a Christ-centered Christmas, and a peaceful and a safe and a Christ-centered 2016. Let us pray. Lord God, we thank and praise you for this evening. We thank you for all that you have shown us through song and script and by the sacred scriptures. We pray, Lord, that we would be in full alignment with you as we leave tonight. We ask that we would have the joy of the Savior in our hearts by his Spirit, and it would make all the difference in our Christmas gatherings and our family units in this city, in this country, and in this world.
And we ask these things in the name of the baby king, the lamb of God who came for the sinners of the world and will come again as the lion of the tribe of Judah. And we come in his precious name together and we say together, amen.